why don't we just praise him this morning? Amen. Just give him praise. He's worthy. He's the Almighty. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. There's no one like him. What a Savior. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord today. Just give you praise and glory and honor. Lord, you are our God, and we want to say that we love you from the depths of our hearts. We're so thankful for your grace, Lord, for your mercies that endure to all generations. Thank you for your mercies this morning. Your mercies are new every morning. Oh, pour out that mercy today on every heart, every life. Reveal yourself to us through the Word. I pray, Lord, that you'll bless every one of us today in your presence. May every one of us feel so special because you came by. You haven't left us alone, but you're right here in this end time, helping us fight our battle, lifting our head. Oh, God, lifting our head up above that of our enemies, giving us overcoming power in a day of darkness and evil. I pray, Lord, you'll bless us now as we worship you. Just come on the scene, Lord. Ever need supply among your people today. Bring healing and deliverance and salvation. Lord, whatever the need is, I pray you'll speak. You'll reveal yourself to every person, every heart, every life. Now, Lord, bless us today as we open up the Scripture. I pray you'll open up our heart and place it within our lives until our natures reflect you in all your glory and all your honor. In Jesus' name, we love you today from the bottom of our hearts. We just want to express that love to you today. Lord, if there's anything in our lives we've held back, Lord, may we not hold anything back. May we give it all to you. May we not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation. I ask, Lord, that you'll help us now as we approach your word. Give us, Lord, of your wisdom and guidance now. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. To have each one of you that are gathered with us. Pray that if you're a visitor today that you won't feel like a visitor when you leave, but you'll just feel very much at home. Amen. God bless you for coming today to worship with us. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to read from the 14th verse as we just welcome you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome his presence. Amen. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. And they, then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, 
why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Have faith in God. Verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed to me, thou cast into the sea, then but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, you will have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And that reading was from Mark eleven twenty one through 24. God bless you. You can be seated. We find here that Jesus is speaking about a greater faith. I think this is something that the disciples would often ask of Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus is speaking of a greater faith, and he calls it mustard seed faith. It's a faith that is small, but yet grows into a great tree. And this last day, it's a day of a lot of unbelief. And if there ever was a day that we need faith, it's this day that we're living in. Amen. We need to be able to believe God for his promises, especially when we're looking here at the end time and knowing that the rapture of the church is near and the return of Jesus Christ, and it's going to take faith to change us in a moment and a twinkling of an eye. Um, as, we, as we see today that um, it's, it's often like it was in that day when Jesus was dealing with a very faithless generation yeah. at the closing of the Jewish dispensation. And that day was very similar, similar, to, uh, similar to our day where that people have got away from the word and just living by the tradition of the elders. And certainly we would hope that we would never get to be that way where we would get away from believing God's word and, to, and then just accepting traditions of the elders where we form dogmas and put in our own doctrine that really isn't in the Bible. It's really important to stay with the full gospel in this day. Amen. Be able to preach the full word of God. As, as Paul would say to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine. It is very important today that the Word of God is preached or we'll never have faith. Now, so we must keep as our absolute the Word of God and our, and of course, that's the Bible, isn't it? Amen. We've got to keep that as our absolute. It must be what we can put our faith upon is the Word of God. That no matter what your experience even, whatever it tells you, 
um, if it isn't, if it tells you that the Bible isn't true, that the power of God uh, that was there with the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastor, the gifts of the Spirit isn't the same as it was when it flowed through the apostles at Pentecost, then there's something wrong with your absolute. You have to go back to the tie post of the Word of God and sort of tie it to a denominational creed. Amen. Because he said, heavens and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So you got to watch what your absolute is. And this day and hour, we have but one absolute that we must, can only trust in, and that's the infallible word of God. Now, we can, uh, we can look in our, our n- nation and, and the natural here around us and see that You know, where our pilgrim fathers came here for freedom of religion and a constitution was formed to guarantee our liberties. And that constitution was to be the nation's absolute. But today, the the constitution is no longer the nation's absolute. As democracy, um, as a democracy, America is no longer has its anchor in its constitution. Today we have elected a leadership who determined to, to bring a forced equality called socialism. And our service today certainly isn't about politics, but I'll tell you, when you see the, the, the desire of the world and, and, a, and, a, and a, a nation rising, a population now rising among us who does not know the, the, the origins of this country and why that we are here. And that is that we can serve God and, and worship him in freedom and with liberties. And we see the rise of this Green New Deal that the Democratic Party is pushing. And let me just say, we're not Democrats, neither are we Republicans here. We're Christians. Amen. So this isn't, again, it's not about politics. It's about ethics. It's about what things that are happening in our world today. But it's easy to see that we have a world today that is under the Laodicean spirit. That they are, they are Christ rejectors and that Christ is on the outside of the church. And they, they come to the point where we're rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing. And yet he would say to them, yet you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This is the condition of this last age. But Laodicea, meaning people's rights or the justice of the people, we've never seen an age quite like this, where that here in this last church age, all nations are rising up demanding equality, socially and financially, and everybody is to be brought together on the same, um, the same plane financially and socially and in every way. It's, it's a day where, you know, according to our liberal theologians even that Jesus was a socialist and the early church and the guidance of the spirit practiced socialism and thus we ought to do today and so you see it, it is because there is a complete desire that is in the hearts of a man of man to have a one world government for everything to be peace and everything to be equal and everybody have the same. Well, I'll tell you, it's not going to happen under politics, no matter who you vote in. 
The only way that this is going to happen is for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to become first Lord of your life and then King of this earth, where that the millennial reign can come in and then there will be peace on the earth. Then there will be justice and equality, but nothing that man can do can bring that to pass. Every bit of it is false promises. Now, so yeah, but today it's a day and hour where we want to make everything one. You know, the church, the state, religious, religion and politics coming together. It shows you the end time where the tares are all being bound together. But if, it ought to tell us if the tares are being bound, the wheat is about ready to be gathered into the garner. What a day that will be. Now, you know, Laodicea was a city of earthquakes. We're speaking of this being placed in Revelation 3, 15, where, where he tells us of Laodicea being the last church age. And it was a city of earthquakes, and earthquakes finally destroyed it. And this age will end in God shaking the whole world. The whole world that has gone off to, to love, in love with the old harlot system and the world system, they will all crumble. But the very earth will be shaken and then renovated for a millennial reign. Amen. What a day and hour that is that we're looking for. Do we realize right here as we speak today, as we just deal with this for a moment, how close we are in the end time process. Do we see America rising up like a lamb in, in Revelation chapter 13 and, and then begin to speak as a dragon? Do we see the heart of the people begin to change more and more and more evil until there's no conscience left in our nation and in our world where we can, we can kill the unborn? Where we can destroy little babies in the wombs and, and then people will applaud that. How, how, how awful that is in our age and our time as a people that are supposed to be a nation under God. But you know, again, we, we find in this unity and this oneness, you realize in February, most of us have missed this in the news, the Pope and the most important even of the Sunni Muslims signed a peace pact together as they prepare for a one world religion. And the Pope and the grand, the grand Eman signed this historic declaration of fraternity calling for global peace between nations and religions and races in front of an audience, a global audience of religious leaders from Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and other faiths. Don't you realize where we're at, church? We're at the time they're about ready to crown them an antichrist. They're about ready to get a, a, a one-world religion and bring it all down to, to the end-time prophecies being fulfilled. But before that time, you've got to be ready to leave here. There's a rapture coming for the church of Jesus Christ, and you've got to be prepared for it. And that's why we're here today. We're not here to talk politics. We're not here to talk about, about even all this, the social evils in the world. But we are here to talk about how we can prepare to be that people of faith here in this end time who will have that overcoming faith and overcoming 
given power to rise above Satan and sin and unbelief. Now, the Bible tells you very clearly in the book of Daniel about the kingdoms of this world. He would see it as, um, as a, a great image that he would see and it would be a head of gold and then go down into lesser quality metals until it finally comes down to the feet. And we would see that it would be Babylon and, the, and then the kingdom would give away to Medes and Persians and then to the Greek and down to Rome and then iron and the clay which comes right down to Romanism and communism together. But I want you to remember that when it reached the feet, as it comes down to the end, the Bible said, Daniel said, I saw a stone that was cut out without hands. Amen. This is not a man-made government. This is not a man-made power. Amen. But this is God's own power striking the feet of that, of that image. And all the kings of the, of the world would crumble and then that stone would become a great mountain. Oh, brother, I'll tell you, this, this is promise. All the wicked and the atheists and the agnostics and the modernists and the liberals, they will all be there to be destroyed here in this end time. But there's going to be a people missing. That's the bride of Jesus Christ. You and I need to be prepared to meet the Lord. Now, of course, this, there is not just the tares that are being gathered. But there is also the wheat that is being gathered. And of course, that this gathering will be a, a physical translation out of this age. And to do that will require that there be a people who will give the word preeminence. Amen. That the word would have the headship. In other words, it means more to them than what everybody else is saying. Then what the world is decreeing is, is right or wrong. It, but they give the word of God the preeminence. And let the word of God be what is right. And call what is right, right. And wrong, wrong. Amen. Amen. Now, oh my friends, to do this, we've got to be returned to the original atonement. And that's where we're at. To come back to the atonement of the blood. To see Christ in his whole power. Amen. To make it word that there is nothing impossible with you. Amen. To, to bring you into that place of faith. Where that your faith is operating as a son or daughter of God. I'd like, I'd like just to paraphrase Matthew 4, chapter 4, where Jesus ministered from place to place throughout all the province of Galilee, and he taught in the synagogues, preaching the hope of the kingdom realm and healing every kind of sickness and disease among the people. His fame spread everywhere. Many people who were in pain and suffering with every kind of illness were brought to Jesus for their healing. Epileptics, paralytics, and even those tormented with, by demonic powers were all set free. And I, I like the way it concludes it. Everyone who was brought to Jesus was healed. And I just want to say today, oh, that we might get men to Jesus. Amen. 
because everyone that is brought to Jesus is healed. Amen. This is a God who is a healer, who can take you out of your, your sinful state and make you a son of God, who can take you out of your broken health and heal you and bring deliverance. Oh, that we can get you to Jesus. That we could have Jesus in our midst this morning as our healer, our deliverer, and people have a faith that will operate and bring down that very presence of God into the church where everybody brought to Jesus is delivered. I can look at you, I can look at many of you, and I can remember the day where you were brought to Jesus. And when you got into his presence, Amen. When you got into his presence, you were healed. You were delivered. Your life has never been the same. Now, I'm just going to go back just historically just for a little bit. As we, as we speak about some things this morning, I, I just want to speak about some things that where that we're at in this time and this hour. You know, in 1946... An angel of God came to William Branham, and, and there he told him of, that he was commissioned by God to go and carry a gift of divine healing to the world. And this has sparked the great divine healing revivals in, that happened in the 1940s and the 50s. It would be the same man that in his, in his meetings, that as he would preach, that there would be men and women that would stand up and prophesy and speak in tongues and say, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ, you are sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. And, he, you know, there he would go out and, and there would be a, a divine healing move that would be sparked. There would be other great men that would get inspiration. It would be all Roberts that would meet him after the service one day and, and, and talk to him and say, do you believe that God would hear my prayers? It would be, it, it would be men like, um, you know, other great men of God in that era of time that also would get the, the spark from that meetings and, and, and where they were seeing God do his work in an omnipotent way, showing his healing power and his grace. Amen. But then, then we come nine years later in the year 1955. It had been nine years since the angel of God had appeared and sent William Branham to forerun his coming. Starting out with a gift of divine healing and showing the same power of the original atonement. Now, to begin with, the divine healing movement was, was embraced and welcomed by all the Pentecostal denominations and especially by the Assembly of God. But by 1955, the denominations were now withdrawing their support, mainly due to financial reasons. Because even though William Branham was not after money and would make that clear, would not let them beg or plead for money in his campaigns, and once he took enough offerings to pay for the expense of the meeting, he quit taking offerings because he, he was afraid of three things. He said that always got a preacher, which was money, women, and popularity. 
And knowing that he was raised a poor man and that money would, might be his weakness, he wouldn't even look at it. But he would have his managers to take care and manage the expense and, and the men that was helping him in the meetings that he paid to go along to help set up the meetings and so on while he prayed and waited on God for, for, the, his, uh, for, to, for the prayer lines and praying for the sick. But by 1955, now there were so many emulators and impersonators that the field was now crowded with divine healers. And they used the promise of healing to lure, to take money from the people. And some of them would, would, would report, said, I know when it's God's will for me to move on. And that's when I've taken up offerings and I've begged and I've told them. And then he said, I literally take them up and shake them up and down until, until all the, the pennies fall out of their pocket. Then I know it's time to move on to another meeting. And that became the emphasis of the divine healing movement. By and large was how much money we can get out of the people. Instead of pointing to the atonement and the power of God and bringing souls to Christ, the emphasis changed to kingdom building. Now, let me tell you, of course, this would cause the denominations to get jealous of this money. They wanted it for themselves and for their churches and to build up their, you know, their, their little kingdoms of man. And this age of impersonation, this is an age of impersonation. Like as the Bible said, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Janus and Jambres, you know, would come after the true prophet of God and they would use gifts. For they were gifted. Amen. Moses threw down his rod and it became a serpent. They threw down rods and they became a serpent. They were gifted. Amen. And Satan can't create. They were using gifts of God. But their purpose was to keep them in Egyptian bondage rather than to bring them into the freedom. Amen. To keep Israel as slaves. This was their purpose. It was not to bring liberty. It was to set, keep them in the same old bondage that there always was. Amen. Now God wants his people to be free. Amen. God wants his people to be able to move in the spirit. He wants to be able to work among them. He wants to make them into sons and daughters of God. He wants to equip them with power, with an anointing. Amen. He wants them to be able to live overcoming lives. He wants to be the Holy Ghost in your life and your leader and your guide. He doesn't want some preacher leading and guide you. He wants the Holy Spirit to be the one with preeminence in your life. That's what God wants. The impersonators would crowd the field during this divine healing movement, riding on his coattails. They claimed the biggest tent, the most healings, the largest crowds, the greatest miracles, the largest magazines with the most subscribers. And this is what it all became about. Now, should we be shocked today when we come down here where we're at in time and we see even today there are impersonators rising, wanting to be the prophet, coming with their own revelations to outgun the prophet, where they become more gifted than he, more intellectual with better clarity, more able to bring revelation than the very messenger that God would send? 
You see, Paul would say it, once I'm gone, there are going to be grievous wolves that will come in. And they'll not spare the flock. Once I'm gone, they'll come and they'll claim equal revelation. For their purpose is not to help you, but destroy you. And this became the goal of many that would rise up in Paul's day and, and would stand there claiming greater revelation than what Paul had. Can you imagine Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, with revelation? And, and then he would be forced. He said, I am forced to boast. I'm forced to tell you, I too am an apostle. I met the Lord. I met him on the road to Damascus. I, I have been there in the depths of the sea three days a night. I've been whipped. I've been this. I, I, I've had miracle and signs and wonders. I've all of this. He said, you're forcing me to have to boast. To be able to prove my apostleship. Because why? By now there was so many rising up impersonating Paul. Bringing revelations. Until he would, he would say of Hymenius and Philetus. I've turned them over the devil. Because they're saying the resurrection is past. And Paul had, speak to, he had preached a spiritual resurrection. That we are resurrected in Christ. Amen. That we, are, that we have risen with Christ and to sit with him in, in heavenly places and he preached that. But here, here comes Philetus and Hymenius along and what are they doing? They are, they are coming with a greater revelation. And now because this has happened to us and we are now in the, in the resurrection and we are now already seeing it happen and we're risen with Christ that now there's not going to be any resurrection of the dead. It's all over and it's all finished. We're beyond it and we're past. Sounds all too familiar. Amen. But Paul would say, I haven't shunned to declare to you the gospel of God. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 27, 28, now take heed therefore unto yourself and all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And also of your own selves shall arise Men arise speaking perverse things, which that's their own ideas and their own word and not God's, to draw away disciples after themselves. Notice, this started in early. Amen. You see, Satan, it wasn't enough for him to discredit the resurrection. It wasn't enough for him to come along and say they stole away his body and they paid off, uh, you know, everybody to, to, to say uh, and give this report. It wasn't enough to spread lies upon it, deny that he had risen from the dead. But now, here it is, he comes along and he comes even in the church itself. Many men rising up with perverse things. Amen. Their own ideas and not God's word. To draw, look at the purpose, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch and remember that after about the space of three years, I cease not to warn every night, day and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. Listen, what is it that is able to build you up? 
the word, come on, amen, and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. What is it that's able to give you an inheritance? The word. That's why we've got to come back to the word in its full power. Amen. Mountain moving faith. Faith that will, that, uh, that, is, that is tree killing faith. Amen. Mountain moving faith. A faith that was once delivered to the saints. A faith that Jesus said we ought to everyone possess. Amen. But you see, these days, they all crowd the field. He's trying to be the greatest. And their revelatory nonsense, men can chow a revelation of the Godhead and say that Jesus is just a man and not even God. Can you imagine that? You know, the Pharisees accused Jesus of being a man who made himself God. He was crucified for that reason. Him being a man made himself God. But it wasn't that at all. He was God who made himself a man. Amen. God came down into human flesh and gave his life and redeemed us by the blood. Are you with me? Others have a revelatory nonsense on the mercy seat saying they're in the mercy seat and God's chosen place of worship and there's no mercies but except, of course, in their group. They claim the power of remitting, retaining sins and boast to be able to cast those who disagree with them into outer darkness. My goodness, that ain't nothing to brag about. Amen. When our attitude becomes toward another because of a disagreement, yeah. we'll cast you into outer darkness. I, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I'm glad God doesn't give power to sinful men because that's sinful men. Amen. The desire of every true Christian is that all would be saved. Even Jesus said, it's the said of him, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. For he came not to condemn the world, but that all the world through him might be saved. Well, God help us to have the spirit of Jesus. Then we'll not condemn everybody else. We want to see every man saved. God, don't lose a one of them. That's, that's something that ought to be a burden of this church. Is Lord, help me to speak to some soul. Help me, help me find somebody that will just listen just for a moment. That we can lift their burden. That we can bring them in the presence. Like I said a while ago, oh, that we, we might get men to Jesus. Because why? Today the emphasis is on getting them to church. And church can't save you. And we can get you to church, but oh, if we can get you in God's presence. And that's where the responsibility of a group like this is bring such an atmosphere. Amen. That it welcomes the Lord Jesus and he comes down in our midst. Amen. Because when he is here, darkness leaves. The light turns on. Demons are expelled. Darkness leaves. Hallelujah. And people who once walked in darkness see a great light. And blinded eyes come open and healing begins. Makes a man a real man and a woman a real lady. 
make sons and daughters out of those who were lost and undone. This is the gospel. Can we imagine today when things become so spiritualized until the actual rapture and the literal and physical return of Jesus is even mocked? Can we imagine a day and time where this is no longer our expectancy? The time of the delay that Peter spoke about, where he said in the end time there would be mockers rise, scoffers, saying where is the sign of his coming? And people are going on as if things are going to continue on forever. And every, every sign, every corner Amen. God's got warning signs and flagmen out with waving a red flag saying, it's coming to an end. And they go right on through it. Now, so you see, church, we're here in a time where, where that, that we, we must keep our expectancy on the return of the Lord Jesus because that is the greatest hope of the hour. Without that, we've lost everything. So our whole focus ought to be on, Lord, come back for us. Whatever you do, don't leave us here. Darkness is coming on the world. Amen. Evil is rising in every way that we can look socially, economically, spiritually. It's evil getting worse and worse and worse. The day is getting darker as we go along. Every generation gets worse. As I was saying, even about our constitution and, and things, you know, the, the millennials, the millennialists they are speaking about today, you know, that they, they, never, they never fought a war. They don't know anything about what it took to make this country what it is. They have, no, they have no idea of the sacrifices that have been made to afford them this freedom. And now they're ready, ready to sell it off into socialism, into communism. Can you imagine what a day that we're living in? But oh, what an hour we ought to be, friends, when we, when we ever one have the opportunity to meet the same Christ. You see, they cannot, and we cannot today go back and meet our pilgrim fathers, and we can't go and, and meet a John Quincy Adams or a Thomas Jefferson or somebody that'll tell us what this Constitution meant and what we stood for and how we fought for it and, and our principles. But I tell you, that may not be true about uh, here as uh, Americans, but I tell you, as Christians, every one of us can have that fresh and up-to-date experience and meet Jesus Christ for ourselves. And he'll not be a historical God, but a present tense God. And there's no excuse. There's no excuse. Because once you ever meet him, then you know his deliverance power is what he wants to give. You'll know his healing power is what he wants the church to have. You'll know his saving power. Amen. And his keeping power. Amen. Is what he wants to give the church. Amen. This is what he wants. Remember, Jesus answered to them, said, have faith in God. 
This is a, a word that we've got to have in this day. Have faith in God. Amen. You cannot have faith in politics. You cannot have faith even in the religions of this world. There's only one thing our faith is going to be anchored in, and that's God. Amen. Amen. Notice, he said, for I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, he wants to bring a people into mountain-moving faith. Be removed and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. Now, Jesus is telling us some very key things here. First of all, he said, whosoever. That means that power is open to every one of his children. It's not just for preachers. It's not for bishops. It's not for popes. It's for whosoever. Are you one of them this morning? Then it is for you. Whosoever, whosoever shall say to this mountain. Amen. Now, Jesus was looking at a literal mountain. But let me tell you something. You got mountains in your life. There's things that needs to be removed. Things that you've been dealing with that you shouldn't have to deal with. Something in your way you can't get through. But I'll tell you this, God wants to give people mountain-moving faith. Amen. That will move out the hindrances in your life. Amen. We have dealt too long with sickness. We've dealt too long with sin. We've let the dealt too long and allowed demon powers to, to control our lives, control our families. It's time that we realize who we are as sons of God. Amen. That God has given whosoever mountain-moving faith. If I can get you to say, if you start speaking to your mountain and quit doubting in your heart, quit letting doubt win. Yeah, I know every time that you try to stand up for the Word of God, doubt begins to come and fight against you. But I'm trying to say to you this morning, quit allowing doubt to win and start letting your faith rise up and win over doubt. When should Satan's unbelief ever become greater than God's Word? Amen. Doubt is Satan's unbelief. When should that be given more preeminence in, in your mind, in your heart? Right. Satan's word should never have preeminence. Yeah. Yeah. You're a believer. Right. Amen. Satan's word has no right to have preeminence in you. Right. you the word of God is to have preeminence. Yeah. Now, so whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. And be thou cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he saith shall come to pass. Amen. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, you're either going to believe this or rip it out of your Bible. We're either going to take it and believe it's the Word of God, or we're just going to say it's for another generation. It's not for us. Take it out of my Bible. There's got to be a people in this day. If it's a rapture hour, there's got to be a people with rapture and faith. Amen. Somebody that'll believe His Word. 
Amen. That whatsoever things you desire. Amen. You, when you pray, believe that you receive them. And ye shall have them. Amen. Oh, God, he's, he's lifting up something to us in the word this morning. Amen. That the people start believing God. Because when we get into his presence, things begin to happen. Are you with me now? Amen. Amen. Now, so as we're, as we're speaking on this, let me just go down for a moment. Because, you know, when, when William Branham thought about this scripture, this Mark eleven twenty two, if you say to this mountain, or if you ask what you will, it shall be given to you. And he began to think about it, and he thought first, uh, as he thought now, you know, because like us all, he's dealing with his own unbelief and his own doubting. Well, somebody ever asked me about that scripture, I just have to say, it was before the atonement was given. And so, you know, then because of that, it's not in the atonement. And he's sitting there thinking about that. As he was contemplating it, and something, as he began to think about it, and, he, and, and God began to speak to him. And so, well, but what about these miracles and things that has happened in your ministry? You think it was you doing that? Do you think it was your own power? Well, no, then it was God's power through the atonement. And then he, then he spoke out loud and said, if the person, I want you to get this, if the person through the atonement sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ can live in such a sphere with God so close that he can be so wrapped so completely in God by the blood of Jesus that it wouldn't be him talking, it would be the Holy Spirit speaking these things. Hallelujah. Can you imagine a people so under the atonement, so much under the blood, amen, that God is just using their lips to speak through them because they become an extension of his his power through his grace. Can you imagine that? A people, a person through the atonement, sanctified by the blood of Jesus. I wonder, do we realize where we stand who have received the blood of Jesus? Do we realize that we are sanctified, we are cleansed, that there's not one sin? Amen. That we stand before him justified. Amen. There he sees us like we were in his mind before the world ever began. And he sees us without spot or without wrinkle or without a blemish. So that you, through that blood, can come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in your time of need. How many needs help this morning? Amen. Well, I tell you, there is a place of help. And that's before the throne of grace where that you can come in boldly under the blood, under the atonement. Amen. And a, such a, a spear so with God so close, so wrapped completely in God by the blood of Jesus. It's not you talking anymore. It'd be the Holy Spirit speaking out of you. Amen. Now, listen, when Jesus was on the earth, he walked upon the earth, 
He healed the sick. He cleansed the leopard. He cast out devils by a word. Is that the truth? By a word, he would do that. Everywhere he went, he conquered. Now we're saying we're in his kingdom and we're sons and daughters of God. Then we're living beneath our privileges. Because everywhere Jesus went. Come on now. Amen. There was deliverance that was brought. And that's the way it ought to be in the church of God. Amen. That everywhere his bride goes, everywhere his church goes, there's deliverance. Amen. Now, I'd just like to read you some scripture here about it. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Let's go back over that again. I think we may have glossed over it. They brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits. How? With his word. Now, isn't this the same thing he did to the victory with his word? He spoke to the victory and the life left it. Isn't this what he said that would happen to the mountain with the word? If you say to this mountain, be thou removed. So Jesus not only was telling his disciples that, that, uh, you know, that they had mountain moving faith, that if you just got the faith of a grain of mustard seed, if that mustard seed of faith is planted, it'll grow into a mighty tree. Amen. It'll be a mighty faith. And that faith that moved mountains. That faith that cast out devils. That faith, oh my, that faith will bring healing to the sick. That faith will work in God's people. Everywhere that faith is applied, that faith will even work for your lost loved ones. Amen. That faith will go out and find them where they are at in the darkest dungeons of Satan's hell and bring them back to Christ. Amen. That's the power of the blood. And that's the power of believers' prayer. Where they say. He sent his word and healed them. He cast out the demons and spirits with his word. And healed all that were sick with his word. Now, didn't didn't the, the Roman centurion have a revelation of that? Amen. He come to him and, and said, you know, my, my servant is sick and, and is dying. Come and pray for or, or you know, would, would, you, would you pray for me? He said, I'll come to your house. He said, no, there's no need to come to my house. Just speak the word. Now, he, it might have been miles to his place. It didn't matter how far. These words travel on spirits, on the Holy Spirit. Amen. And right there would go right there to the very place where his servant was laying there dying. And the word would rebuke the devil that held him bound and be healed. 
So he said, look, I'm a man. I'm a man of, of, of authority. I'm a man of authority. I, I know how this works. I, I don't go myself. I send this, cow, this one here and this one there, and these legions here and these there to go out and do, do the bidding. I just speak the word and it gets done. He said, I know you're a man of authority. And all you've got to do is speak the word and, the, and my servant will live. Now that was a Gentile having faith. It's about time we come to realize we're the Gentiles that it was speaking about. Gentiles having faith. Mark 1.22. And they were astonished at his doctrine. I want you to look at this. You know, we pride ourselves sometimes in having the correct doctrine. Men will go to great extents preaching great sermons, great depths, and great understanding, and, you know, that wows you with their intellect. Yeah. Oh, how they put this together and put that together, and most of the time it's a cow in the top of the tree eating grass when they get all their picture drawn. It's pretty phenomenal. And the Bible said, and they were astonished at his doctrine. Why? For he taught as one that had authority and not as the scribes. Now, his doctrine was different, wasn't it? And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus, son of, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Now, this is what the doctrine of Jesus will do. Yeah. Right. Right. Amen. We want to preach true doctrine, don't we? Doctrine without this authority is not his doctrine. It's just doctrine. It's man-made ideas. But when you get the doctrine of Jesus, and that's what we want to preach, the doctrine of Jesus. We've had enough doctrine of man. But when we preach the doctrine of Jesus, Amen. What will this new doctrine, this doctrine, denominations know nothing about? Amen. This doctrine that will, will command even unclean spirits. Do you know people come down to the altar and leave with their same old dirty lust spirit and their same old drinking spirit and their same old cigarette spirit and their same old dope spirit going right along with them and they come down the altar for prayer and go right back the same way they are? That's not the doctrine of Jesus. Amen. The doctrine of Jesus is though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. As far as the east is from the west, I will remove your sins from you. That's the doctrine of Jesus. And the doctrine of Jesus casts out the devil and fills you with his own Holy Spirit that empowers you to live a life of victory and a life over sin. 
That's the doctrine of Jesus. Amen. And you cannot talk to teach the doctrine of Jesus without having and using the authority of Jesus. Too many today we're saved, we're seeing people saved in their sins and not from their sins. Let me tell you, when you get in his presence, he will not leave you the way he found you. You will be forever changed. You can get in church and leave out the same old sinner you came in. But you ever get in Christ? One time, just get in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You cannot be the same person anymore. You're changed in his presence. Amen. So, so he, he said, well, they said, what new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. This is something that's very, that was said of every believer. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, I'm leaving you in my stead for you to act in my name. And in my name, you shall cast out devils. Amen. You will heal the sick. You will speak with new tongues. If you take up serpents, it shall not harm you. Amen. Come on. This is the word of God. This is the word, the last words that Jesus spoke. And he taught and his words had authority. And we are not preaching the words of Jesus unless the authority of Jesus accompanies the words. Amen. Because everywhere he went, he conquered. Amen. Everywhere you go, you're to conquer. You're a son of God, a daughter of God in his image, in his likeness. Come on. You know that species brings forth species. It's the law of God that everything brings forth of its kind. Humans bring forth humans. Dogs bring forth dogs. Cats bring forth cats. Come on. But I tell you, we're preaching about a new birth. And when you're born of God, God brings forth gods. Amen. Sons of God in the image of God. People that know their God and do exploits. They stand on that word. They declare it to be the truth. I mean, he didn't say you had the power. He said you had the authority. You say it, I'll do it. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose it in heaven. These are the words of Jesus. That ought to be our words today. We ought to be taking God's words as our word. If we're sons of God, we're of his species. We're of his genus. Come on. Of his genus, of his kind. Now, everywhere Jesus went, he conquered. Amen. He conquered everything that could be conquered. He conquered passions, pride, sickness, devils. When he died, he conquered death. When he rose, he conquered hell. Amen. He went up and conquered everything that was against mankind and went to the wine press of God and crushed it down and conquered death, hell, and the grave.
age, sickness, formalities, everything. He overcome it and rose again on the third day and conquered all the atmospheres above and cut that mist between God and man and connected heaven and earth together again. Through Christ, you have a connection back to heaven. Through Christ, you have the power to rule on earth as a son of God. Amen. There he stands, a mighty conqueror, since he rent that veil in two. He's got the keys of death and hell on my side, and he says, fear not. Amen. I am he that was dead, but behold, I am alive forevermore, and I've got the keys of death and of hell. Amen. There he was. He raised, said, don't fear. I'm the first and the last. So therefore, he cut every obstacle between God and human beings that they might be connected like they were in the Garden of Eden. Amen. There again, you know, this, this may choke you, but man then is omnipotent. Anywhere his faith can work, it's all power. Everywhere that he operates as a son of God, omnipotence goes to work. That omnipotence will cast out devils. That omnipotence gives you power to live an overcoming life. You say, Brother Tim, I, I've got, I, I'm a Christian and I, I've had this habit and I can't overcome it. Let me tell you, friend, you ever get a real drink of the Holy Ghost? overcoming power will be on the inside of you. And because that overcoming power there, you'll overcome that thing. You'll rise up above it. It'll come underneath your feet. You were not meant to be conquered. You were meant and ordained to be a conqueror. Amen. A man fully surrendered to God then is omnipotent. If he can surrender his mind to God, let the mind that was in Christ be in them. He can surrender his mouth, his mind, his body, his vessel. Anytime he can surrender to God, there's omnipotence. Amen. Amen. See, supreme faith makes you omnipotent. It would take omnipotence to move a mountain. Come on. Only God can move a mountain. You know you can't stand there and, and say that a mountain be moved all on your own. But as a son of God, under the influence of God, under the anointing of God. Amen. Now remember when Brother Branham said those words I, I read to you about a moment ago about it all being in the atonement. And, and he said, when I said that, a super anointing came over me. Amen. Brother, when we begin to agree with the word, say what the word said, declare it, a super anointing comes down. Amen. Now, so whatever you say with that creative power of omnipotence, knowing God promised it and he said it in a word, it creates a power that goes out yonder and brings things to pass, things that is not and makes them as though they are because Two omnipotences met. How did two omnipotence meet? When your faith, amen, rises there to that level of the promise, that's omnipotence. And God coming down and anointing that faith, that's omnipotence. And when that begins to speak, there's a power goes out and something happens. Amen. 
This is why he would say to John, don't fear, little flock. Don't fear, John. I'm, I, all that I am, you are heir to. All my power is yours. My omnipotence is yours as I stand in your midst. Notice, if he's not in our midst, we're just a dead church. We're just a dressed up, bejeweled corpse. Amen. But it's still a corpse. No matter how pretty you make the building, no matter how wonderful you make the singing, if God ain't in it, we're just a dead church. But when God comes down, omnipotence begins to work. Cancers begin to cast out. Amen. Demons begin to flee. Amen. Habits begin to leave because omnipotence starts speaking. Hallelujah. That's what we want to see is omnipotence speaking. Power. Because why? Faith has been placed in God. Notice he would say, my omnipotence is yours as I stand in your midst. Brother, this is why we declare he's right here in this last age, right here in the middle of this church, standing in the midst of his golden candlesticks, right here in the last age. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I say what a promise. I say what a word that is. Amen. I'll be with you. I'll be in my church. I'm not going to leave them. But when I leave the earth, I'm taking you with me. And I'll tell you, we can feel his spirit lifting the world, lifting the nation, lifting society, lifting families, lifting off of churches. But oh God, when you lift up from this earth, take me with you. Because I don't want to be here when Satan is the king of this earth. For it reigns for that short time in the tribulation. I don't want to be here. <laughs> All my power is given to you and it's yours to use. You speak the word and I'll perform it. That's my covenant and it can never fail. It's time we start using the word against our enemy time we start standing up for what's right, speaking against what's wrong. Man, he would say, we are so thankful to be on speaking terms. The blood of Jesus Christ puts us in this condition. Think about that. That's what the blood, how the blood positions you. It positions you in a place where you're on speaking terms. That whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Is that his word? Amen. It's either the truth or it isn't the truth. Somebody's going to believe it. Might as well be you. Amen. Might as well be you. Listen, listen. Even, even Brother Branham would say himself, I'm your brother, standing as your brother and intercessor, trying my best to hold you before God. And I'm standing right here before the white throne now and pointing my finger to that bloody sacrifice there and speaking through his name that is done. It has to happen. And that's the way we all stand. We're pointing to a bloody sacrifice. We're pointing to one who paid our debt. Amen. Paid our dues. We don't owe the devil a thing. 
Satan has no claim on us. We do not belong to him. We're not his children. We're not his subjects. He's not our God. He's not our king. And we're not his slave. And I'll tell you, it's time we quit acting like we're still a slave of the devil and realize we're a people on speaking terms that whatever we bind shall be bound. Whatever we loose shall be loose. You ask anything in my name, I'll do it. You're standing in my stead as my ambassador. Stand there and speak that word. Point toward the white throne. Amen. Toward that bloody sacrifice there. Speak in his name. It's done. Amen. My, that ought to be something we do. Because he's there to make the intercession for us. He's a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, which means he empathizes with you, not sympathizes. He's been through it himself. He walked the earth with you. Amen. He met the devil himself. And everywhere that he met him, he cast him out. Does that tell you what your job is to do? Amen. Everywhere you meet the devil, cast him out. Amen. Because this is where he promised, I'll be there with you even in you to the end of the world. Now, so he is there as a, as a high priest that can be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. Our only intercessor between God and man is Jesus Christ. Now, that's according to the Bible. You might have others to try, but there's only one that God hears, and that's Jesus Christ. Our prayers go through him. Amen. Don't you believe a lie that Jesus isn't our intercessor anymore? And somehow, now some group of people it is. She is him, but he is not her. I hope you heard that. She is him, but he is not her. Amen. Don't confuse the roles. He's the redeemer. We're the redeemed. He's the savior. We're the saved. Amen. He's the healer. Come on. We're just, we just act in his name. Amen. You see, we cannot do his work. His work is the atonement. Her work is faith in the atonement. So God has a work. The bride has a work. Jesus would say, my father worketh and I worketh hitherto. We ought to be the same. Be able to say, my father worketh and we worketh hitherto. Amen. How is it? He paid the price. We just go and collect everything back from Satan. Amen. Amen. We go take the spoils. He bound the strong man. We just go into the house and get everything that was ours and take it back. Amen. That's what the church ought to be doing today. Amen. Is following Jesus, our captain, who who bound the strong one. Someone greater than Satan. Someone greater than Satan. Someone stronger than Satan came and bound his house. I'm quoting you from the Bible. He came and he bound his house. Someone greater. Someone stronger. Is your Jesus greater? Is he stronger? Did he bind him? Did he pay the price? Did he bind him there with his death at Calvary? Amen. Then the devil is bound and all you got to do is go and collect the spoils. Go get back what the devil stole from you. If he stole your joy, go get it back. If he stole your peace, go get it back. If
daddy stole your children, go get them back. Whatever the devil stole, you get it back from him. Amen. He has no right to trap on you as a son of God. You're not his slave. You don't have to take another beating from him. You don't have to be whipped another time. Hallelujah. You are a son of God. You're a daughter of God. And you don't have to take no more weapons. You are free to throw down your shovel, throw down your hole, and take God's promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's where we ought to stand this morning on the unfailing word of God. He's the Lord God that healeth all diseases, the healer, the deliverer, the savior. Amen. Your needs supplier. Hallelujah. Sure, we're to intercede on the behalf of others. Amen. That's what praying is all about. Believers interceding through prayer about a need. But the bride isn't the intercessor. There's only one that God hears, and that's Jesus Christ. And we approach God through his sacrifice, and through him he hears us. Amen. You see, you deny the body, that's the atonement, the sacrifice. You deny the body, the blood, or the word, you're dead the minute you do it. And that's what Satan wants us to get to, us to do today is deny the body. Deny the atonement. Deny who we are in Christ. Deny the, the, the power of that blood that makes us stand in his presence as a son of God. So when you deny the body, the blood, the word of Jesus Christ, you're dead the minute you do it. Satan's got you. You see, again, it's God's chosen place of worship where he puts his name, not in the church, but in his son. Now, it was under the power of the blood, the atonement, that Moses created. I'll let you think of that for a minute. Moses created. Moses took with words, created. Are you with me? Amen. He called for flies, and flies came. He called for frogs, and frogs came. Amen. He called for darkness, and darkness came. He called for light to take over the darkness, and light came. Whatever Moses spoke, God backed it up. Now, friends, that was not even under the atonement of Christ. That was under the atonement of blood and bulls, of bulls and goats. Amen. So tell me, which is greater? The blood of Christ or the blood of bulls and goats? So the blood, the blood of a uh, looking true, looking true the sacrifice of Jesus put a man named Moses on speaking terms. And Moses created with that word. Amen. So now the power of bulls and of the blood of bulls and goats gave power to Moses to go out there by the commission of God, stretch out his rod and say, let there come flies. 
You see, he had the word of God. He spoke that word. When he did, it came from God's thought. For a word is a thought expressed. And so God thought it and put it in Moses' mind. Now, friends, let me just tell you, God thought it, and he's written it right here in the Bible. Amen. And you can read it, and it comes in your mind. Amen. Now, Moses thought it, God thought of me, and Moses, come in Moses' mind, put it in Moses' mind, call for flies. He called for flies. Call for call for for plagues to come, and he called them one by one. Turn the turn the Nile into blood, and it would all turn to blood. He did that under the power of the blood of bulls and goats, which has no power today because it's all fulfilled in Christ. You sacrifice all the animals you want to, and it will not produce anything. It was only looking to a greater lamb coming. So Moses, Moses there spoke, and now it becomes a word. Now watch. Once it's spoken, it's a word. And once it becomes a word, it's released. And once it's released, Moses turned around. Maybe there wasn't a fly in the country in the hours from then. You know, maybe one old green fly began to buzz around. In a half an hour, there was maybe 10 pounds per square yard. What was it? The creative word of God that was spoke by the lips of a mortal man. And Jesus is saying the same thing to you. Take the word. Place it on your lips. You tell me. You tell me. Well, what is his sword? The word of God. You tell me what the book of Revelation says, where it's held. In his mouth. You see, the sword cannot stay on your side in your scabbard as a decoration. You're a soldier. And it's got to come out of the scabbard. Amen. And spoken with your lips, put in your mouth, and you begin to speak what God said. First thing you need to be is start to speak in what God said about you. I am a son of God. I have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. I am the righteousness of God in him. Amen. I have his peace. Amen. I have his authority. He's commissioned me. He sent me to the earth at this time. I'm here for a reason and for a purpose. I'm here to serve God and to serve his command. And now I've got a situation here. I take dominion over it. You know, you need to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, I'm a blood washed, blood bought, son and daughter of the living God. And I am here to torment devils. I am not here to be tormented by devils. I am here to give the devil a hard time as long as I'm here on this earth. Amen. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to overcome. I'm here to rise up above. I'm here to meet the challenges. I am here to defeat the devil anywhere, by the word, anywhere, any place, anytime. Because that's what God called a people to do. People that's in his image and his likeness. Now, God could use the men. You know, God uses men. That's how he uses. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. 
the branches bears the fruit, not the vine. Is that right? When he came here, he was, he was the first branch that came out of the vine. And he did the works of God. He said, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. Yes. Amen. So then you become, you become the, the branch. Now then, he's expecting you to bear fruit. And he said, anything that ain't bearing fruit, he said, he purges it that it'll bring forth more fruit. So the very thing, the purging that you're going through is so that you will bear fruit. So when I had this problem in my life, God did it. God's given an opportunity for your faith to go to work. I mean, with a trial, I don't want no trial. It's an opportunity, not a trial. It's an t- opportunity for your faith to go to work. Why did this happen to me? So my faith would have something to work on. Amen. That's exactly right. This is, this is exactly the way you've got to start looking at your trials that you're going through. It is something not to destroy me. I cannot be destroyed. I have eternal life. I cannot be destroyed. This is not going to destroy me. I am here to destroy it. Satan, your kingdom's coming down. No weapon that is formed against me can prosper. I'm a son of God. I've been bought by the blood. I know who I am in Christ. God uses men. God could use the sun to preach the gospel. Could use the wind to preach the gospel. But God chose men to preach the gospel. That's just God's way. Amen. God's going to use you. He will use you to triumph over the devil. Amen. It'll be your prayers that cast him out. Amen. It'll be your voice speaking against the enemy. It'll be you standing there with the Word of God. Amen. Now, but you know, but you know, here, here again, Moses under the blood of bulls and goats. You know, there he spoke a word of creation. You know, we stumble sometimes. You know, God could speak a squirrel into existence. God could do this. God could do it. Uh, let me tell you, God was using Moses, and he spoke flies, lice, moraines. He spoke all kinds of things. You know what he was doing, though? Not to torment God's people, but to free God's people. Right. And he was using the power of God to plague the devil. That's right. Amen. Does that give you any idea what you're to use the power of God for? Yeah. Not to be a puffed up and be a, you know, a stuffed shirt, but to plague the devil. Yeah. To make the devil so miserable yeah. that he finally says to you, get out. Get out of my country. Get out of Egypt. Leave here. Go on. And you'll say, yeah, we're going. And we ain't leaving a hoof behind. We're everyone going. Listen, what's the matter with the church today? What is wrong? Here's Brother Branham would say, my opinion, we're not coming with that sincerity to the right thing. For if God could do that by the blood of bulls and goats and bulls that only covered sin and made appropriation for the sinner... But the sin was still there, only covered over. What can he do through the blood of his son that omits sin? God has not manufactured but created a blood that takes away all sin. I believe that sin will be broke up when it's confessed 
upon the basis of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's like dropping a drop of black ink into a bunch of Clorox bleach. It just breaks it into the chemicals and sends it plumb back to where it come from. And that's the way the blood of Jesus Christ does that sends a man across the chasm again as a son of God. And then why? The, the creative power of God is in him. And at least whenever God can command it to be done, it'll be done. But the blood puts us back on speaking terms. It's time we hear the voice of God. The voice of God is speaking. Why are you crying to me? Speak. This is what he told to Moses. He's met with an obstacle. He said, why are you crying to me? What is all this moaning about? You ought to be speaking. You ought to be looking at your problem and saying, it's coming down. The Red Sea's coming open. Amen. And when it does, it's going to drown all of Pharaoh and his army. All the devils are going to be dead behind us, and we're going to be like Miriam with a tambourine shouting to victory. Because we're not leaving from here a defeated people. We are leaving here a victorious people. A victorious church without spot or wrinkle. Are you with me? Amen. So you stand in the presence of God as a redeemed son. Now, that's why the church is living far below its privilege. And instead of, instead of coming out and facing the issue, we're still just kind of probing at it, wondering if it'll work. But it's time we realize who we are. How many more sermons are we going to have to hear that, uh, that identifies us in Christ as who we are as his children? Face the issue. Face up to it. Face up to the fact that you are under an atonement. That your sins are forgiven. That you have no past. I'm looking at a people today who has a blank past. There is no charge that the devil can lay on you because it's all been dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on now. And you stand guiltless as a son of God. He never sees, he doesn't see anymore where you faltered, where you failed, where you made a mistake, where where you quibbled, where you disbelieved. It's all gone. And you stand before him as a son of God. Amen. Under an atonement. And because you're under that atonement, now you can go before the throne of grace anytime. And find help in your time of need. Amen. So there's something wrong somewhere. And Brother Branham would say, I think it's because the denominational system has twisted the minds and so forth until they don't know how to do it. But we promised it would be revealed. And that's where we're living at, church. We're in the day of the revealing where we come back to the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Amen. And that doctrine has power in it. Amen. That's, that's why we can look around today and, and witness and say, we have seen and are seeing the power of God. We know what it will do to cancer. We know what it will do to brain bleeds. We know what it will do to alopecia. We know what it will do to every devil. Come on. We know what it will do to drunkenness and drugs and alcohol. Amen. We know what it will do to cigarettes. We know what it will do for young people. Amen. 
we know what it'll do to sons of God. Amen. Elevate them into a position where they know who they are and they know who their God is. So they do exploits. Amen. That's the thing. You see, we're, we're, we're living the hour where we're no longer just to pray a prayer. Amen. But command that it be done. Not command God, command the devil. Lead. God's already commanded us to command him. In my name you'll cast out devil. That's a, that is a command. You've already got the command. We don't have to command God. Amen. We command the devil to lead. Amen. Resist the devil. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He shall flee from you. Are you with me? But you see, God will never meet anybody unless they come under the shed blood. It's the only meeting place of God. And when you turn the blood down, your meeting place has been taken away. You see, God made his first decision in the Garden of Eden that that man could only worship him under the shed blood of his sacrifice, and that's the only place that God met God, that God met with man then, and that's the only God, place that God ever will meet with man. So when you take the blood away, you take your meeting place away. Amen. Your faith has got to be placed in the blood, in the atonement. Now, you see, there again, that's the only place he meets with man is under the blood of his sacrifice. Now, he won't meet you there as a Methodist or Baptist or Catholic or, 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 or whatever it is that, that denominational claim. He will not meet you there as that. He will meet you where, wherever you are, if you're Methodist, Baptist, Catholic, Pentecostal, wherever, if you come under the shed blood... He will meet you there. Amen. Because that is the meeting place. So therefore, this is where that we have our power. That's where the, the power lays is in the atonement. When we meet there in that place under the blood, then the power of that blood goes to work on our behalf. Without it, your meeting place is done away with. You don't have a place to meet God. He'll meet you under one condition where you're under that blood and your sins are confessed and been expelled in his presence and, and he only can see you then through that shed blood. And you're white as snow. When you confess your sins, your sins are forgiven. But outside of that, you're not there. You can't fellowship. And that's the reason that you don't see things happen in the churches they confess, they believe the blood, but reject the very plan to get to the blood, right. the Word. Right. And that's the only way that God will honor that Word. You see, He'll never honor it saying, oh, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Catholic, I demand this to be done. You, you can't do it like that. The only way is through His grace, come through the shed blood and say, Lord, I claim the promise. And then you're really under that blood. And God is obligated to his word. But first, you've got to be under the blood. Amen. And once under the blood, God's obligated to his word. Amen. He's obligated to back up whatever you say. Amen. Amen. To stand behind your words. Amen. No wonder then they can't believe in miracles. Can't believe in the supernatural. Because 
They condemn the blood. Let's talk about the blood for a moment. Let's talk about the blood and the work of that blood. Now, how did the blood come about? And how is it that we're under the blood? You see, we can all always go on and say, well, we're under the blood, we're under the blood, and we're talking about those pints of blood that came down out of the, off the cross and fell down to the ground, and that's not the blood we're under. The blood we're under is that blood came by the creative power of God. Somebody with me? Amen. God took a blood cell by creation. Now, you want to talk about creation. And place in the womb of Mary both the, the ovum and the sperm. And out of that came a body for God to come and dwell in. That's what I was saying. God became a man. That's what the mystery was. Jesus didn't just didn't make himself God. God made himself a man. And God came and dwelt among us through the blood cell. So therefore, Jesus was the created blood of God. He will not have Jew and have Gentile. No race of this earth can claim him as their, as, as coming from them. Amen. Listen, Jesus didn't come from man. Jesus came from God, and man came from God. Now, so when we look at this, Jesus was the created blood of God. Now, on the cross, are you with me now? We know, what, we know those elements of the blood. They went right back down to the ground, and they were probably absorbed there in the wood of the cross, and there on the deals. Now then, well, where is the blood that we can go and dob some of it and put on you? We don't have it because the power is not in that chemical of the blood. It's not in the power of, of, of that blood that came down. What it was was there was the blood cell. And in the blood cell was life. Yes, yeah. And when Jesus died at Calvary, out of that blood was released the life of God. Amen. Amen. Remember, there would come elements out of his body. Remember this? You were in him when he died at Calvary. Because the elements of that made his bride was still in him. So the water, the blood, and the spirit was all in him. Is somebody with me? But there at Calvary, the blood cell was broke open and released the life of God, the life of the blood. Remember, even in the Old Testament, it would speak of don't eat the blood because in there is the life. Amen. And Jesus there in his blood was the life of God. And there at the breaking of that blood cell, the life of God was released. Are you with me? That life went down and and defeated hell. It defeated the grave. It rose again. Amen. That life raised up his body again, ascended on high, and came again on the day of Pentecost. So the atonement was made at the cross where Jesus died, but the 
blood sprinkling came on the day of Pentecost and they were sprinkled every one of them with the blood the life of God pillar of fire divided itself and each one of them got a lick of the fire of God that made every one of them the blood by the spirit and they were born again not of the will of man nor the will of the flesh but of God and they were everyone born of the blood of God that's how you're born when you're when you're born new birth as a son of God God is your father you're born of his blood you're not only under his blood and your sins atoned by his blood but you actually become the blood by the baptism of the Holy Ghost dwelling in you Amen. You are the blood life of God. Therefore, you're sons and you're his daughters. Amen. Oh, that ought to make something. Amen. We're not talking about your human body and your human blood, but his royal blood now flows through my veins. I'm a son of God. His life is in me. The power that is in me is not my own, but it's his power. It's the blood of Christ living out of me. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You come into his presence. Now you come boldly into before his throne of grace. Remember there in the holiest of holies, there was, there was some particular things that was in there. One thing was a pot of manna. Amen. On the outer courts, they could go out there and gather manna everywhere they wanted to. But if they kept it over, you know, one day to the next, it would breed worms and stink. But on, on, on the Sabbath there, or for the Sabbath, there would come an extra portion and they would take it. And they would take it in their homes so there would be no gathering on the Sabbath day. But then Moses told them, go get an omer. Go get a, uh, go get a, a, a bunch of this and take it in the holiest of holies. Because I want every generation of priests that come into this place that they can go and get some of that original manna and eat some for themselves. Amen. Now, this is exactly what God did for you. Amen. He made open, he opened the veil so you could come into his presence. Where every one of every generation, are you his priest? Have you got a right to come before the throne of grace? Come boldly there. Then every generation... Hallelujah. Has a right to go in there and get a bite of that original manna. That bread out of heaven. Are you with me? This is what he gave on the day of Pentecost. Amen. That original manna where that every person can have their own experience with God. Not you and a priest, not you and a pastor, but you and God and God alone. And there you go in the presence of God and you get some of that original Pentecostal manna. That testifies he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Amen. Also, that are in the holiest of holies, there come a question on the priesthood. And the priesthood would be, was, was questioned whether Aaron was truly chosen of God. He said, I'll tell you what, you go get, bring Aaron's rod and put it in here. Bring the others in here and place them also. And I'll show you which one is mine or not. My choice. And he takes Aaron's there and he puts that, his staff inside. Come on. Puts it inside the holiest of holies. And it 
put out almond leaves and bloomed and, and, and made almonds in the presence of the Shekinah glory. Amen. And when you are chosen of God and brought into that holy place, amen, if God can take a dead stick, Amen. A dead stick. He can take somebody who is dead in his sins and trespasses and bring them into his presence and light come into them and they bring forth the fruit of Almighty God. Hallelujah. How does that happen? Under the atonement. So you have the right to the very life of God, the very power of God, the very manna of God dwelling in his presence as the children of the king. Let's bow our heads together. Let the musicians come. In the presence of the king. God's wanting to give faith. He's wanting somebody to believe him. He wants somebody to move into that element past the human mind, past the human thinking, begin to think like God thinks. When you go to thinking like God thinks, then your problem ain't too hard. It ain't too big. It ain't too difficult when you think like God thinks. When you think as a son of God, you look at a mountain to move it. But that mountain's got to hear your voice. God said, whatever you say to this mountain. You got trouble in your life. You got situations that are there. Got problems in your home. Got sickness in your body. Your problem is not too great. Your mountain's not unmovable. Your situation isn't too hard. Your problems aren't too big. Say it's impossible. With you, nothing will be impossible. God wants to bring deliverance. God wants you to have his deliverance. God wants the church with his doctrine. And has authority with his doctrine. A people who knows their God and does exploits. People who stands on the word, sees that word work. Aren't you ready for it to work in your life? Aren't you ready for it to, for it to manifest itself in you? Don't you want to get to the point you doubt your doubts? And stand on God's promise. But my problem's too big. My situation, my mountain's too high. My problem is too great. I can't get around it. I can't get over it. It's blocked. It's in my way. And I'm stopped. I'm stymied. I can't go on. But there's mountain moving faith right here in this building today. 
that your sin isn't too big, your problem isn't too hard, your life isn't so desperate that this God can't reach down further than what you can look up. Jesus said, have faith in God. I wonder if there would be those this morning say, Lord, place that faith in my heart. Lord, I, I accept that faith, Lord, today to believe you, to believe you for your promise. I need you. I got a mountain in my way. I got a situation I can't get over. I got a problem that's way too big. I'm not able to, to deal with this situation. That's right. As a human being, you're defeated. But if I could get every to step over into faith, and as a son of God, then you know you're omnipotent. Your faith is all-powerful. It'll move mountains. And when you and God meet together in that meeting place where that you believe him, then he's pleased to back your word. You can't take sin into heaven. You can't take your unbelief there. You can't take your, your past. You can't take your habits. You can't take none of them into heaven. But there's a blood that'll cleanse you from every sin. Wash you whiter than snow. Cause you to believe God's word and his promise is yours. And you'll be able to say yes and amen to it. So be it. Let it be so. I accept it, Lord. Amen. Would there be somebody here today said, I'd like to get in that presence of Jesus because everywhere Jesus is, he delivers. I'd like to be in that presence. I'd like to be in that presence today. I, I need that deliverance in my life. Would you just raise your hand to God? Say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I must have you. I must have you. I need that deliverance. Amen. I can just get you to believe on him just for a moment. Your dark, ugly, sinful past will become white. Every bit of the darkness gone. I can just get you to believe on him just a minute. Just a moment. Every sin, every sin that you ever committed be white like wool purged by the blood of Jesus. If I can get, just get you to believe just a moment, just in his presence, just start believing. Your mountains are going to start moving. You'll start doubting your doubts and you'll exalt God's word to have preeminence in your life. Ask him to do it right now. Your drugs will be gone. Your habits will be gone. Your immoral ways, your fornications and adulteries all be gone. Be washed by the blood of Jesus. 
You'll be saved to sin no more. Walked out of here redeemed. Him the Savior. Let him do it for you this morning. Doubt your doubts now. Doubt your unbelief. Let him move. Let him move in your life. Dear Jesus, you saw every hand that was lifted towards you. Lord, you see every person, Lord, that reached out and said, I'm reaching out to you, dear Lord. I need you, Jesus. I need you right now. I need you in this situation. I, I've got an obstacle. I've got to somehow get across. I pray, Lord, today that in your presence, every mountain will go. Every fear will vanish. Every sin will be gone. And victory will be in the house of God today. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name, Lord. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I sing that song, I am redeemed and bought with a price. I am redeemed. I'm bought with a price. Jesus has changed my whole life. If anybody asks you just who I am, tell them that I am redeemed. Let this become your song today. <laughs> 